0: I can't remember what I was supposed to say. Has <laughs> a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers.
1: Mark Schlereth, handsome son, bitch get out
0: here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Schlereth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast.
1: Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast, along with Mike Evans, Scott the Huff. I am Mark Schlereth. Gotta thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Core Water. I tell you what, I love this water. I mean, clean, crisp, award winning taste, pH balance, seven point four, matches your body. If you're making a New Year's resolution like me to get into shape because I am super fat, I'm I, Mike, I haven't been this fat since I've retired. I'm close to two seventy. Like I am I'm close to two like I could make a comeback. That's how fat I am right now.
0: Well, after watching the Denver Broncos offensive line all year, I think you'd be equipped to step right in and tackle a pass rusher coming around the left side.
1: (laughs) You know what? I could probably do that. I think you could do that. I'm certain that I could tackle people. Um, Anyhow, so if your New Year's Year's resolution is like my New Year's resolution, to to not be as fat as I am right now – God, I hope you're not as fat as I am right now. Because if you are, you are a big tub of lard. Uh, use Core Water to hydrate yourself and to help yourself lose some weight. That's Core Water. Check out hydratewithcore.com.
0: So you went out for Mexican food last night, didn't you? Oh my God! Yes, was I was did. that a one bowl of chip night for you? Mm. You know, where you do the whole bowl of chips by yourself? Yeah. Well, was it just one bowl?
1: We, my wife and I, had
0: two bowls. Okay. Um, I've seen your wife. We eat. didn't
1: Okay, and we didn't go through all both bowls. But if I was doing uh for every one chip she had, how many chips did I have? Kind of assessment of the situation. Sure. Um I would say for every one chip my wife Lisa had, I had at least ten. <laughs> a ten so, to one ratio? At least a ten to one ratio. So I would say that I had I'm going to say a full bowl and a quarter for me where she had a maybe a quarter of a bowl.
0: Plus, she probably took smaller chips. You probably went for the bigger chips right away, too.
1: Yeah. I just, like, I'm like, you know, you remember Sesame Street when the cookie monster would eat cookies and they just, it would be, fly, cookies, cookie crumbles and pieces would be flying all over. That was me eating last night. <laughs> it just was like. At one point, we just looked. I was done with my meal, and she had. We had cheese enchiladas, like the big, you know, it's a big, crazy New Year's Eve, you know, enchilada fest. And both of mine were gone. I had pretty much licked the plate, <laughs> eaten the beans and rice. She still had a full enchilada and and rice and beans left. And then I'm just looking at it. She's like, I hate. I like. I eat fast in case you can't eat, and I can still finish yours while it's warm. Right. You know, so that's uh, it's called yeah. swooping.
0: My my wife created that term. She goes, "You look like you are ready to swoop." I am like, "I am ready to swoop." I am as soon as I'm, I am, like as soon as term. you give me the okay, the green light, I am going to swoop in on your leftover.
1: Right. So now you are just looking at her like you're, you are. She wants you to gaze lovingly into her eyes right. while you have a conversation, right. to Eat, and your eyes are only fixated <laughs> on her food. That's right. I
0: like, am gazing lovingly at the enchiladas.
1: Right. Exactly. At what point, like, there comes a point in marriage when you know you stop looking at your wife like you know like you you like you're you're not looking at her like you, when you when you first start dating or you're first married you know and it's all about you guys love and your passion and all that stuff you're just looking at the food <laughs> like it was your wife when you first got married right like, Exactly. Right. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out of this restaurant and just, you know, ravage my wife. And you're like, I can't wait till she's done eating, so I can swoop down and pound that enchilada. (laughs)
0: Ladies and gentlemen, marriage. (laughs) <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> you better, you better you know, hope she doesn't listen. To this. Oh my god! But you know what? It's just true. That's yeah, true. Like, it's just honest, sad,
1: <laughs> sad but true. but
0: true. That's right. So all you, all of you youngins out there who are young and love and
1: can't wait, can't to, wait to, to here's you know, what's, go through the nuptials. Yeah, here's yeah. what's
0: waiting for you. Yeah, here's what's waiting for you. Well, here, boy, did did. Black Monday, once again, live up to its billing, huh? It's been since 2011, there's been an average of seven coaches fired per year, and this year we exceeded that with eight. Right, and
1: it may not be over yet. I mean, there's still question marks about um, Jay Gruden in Washington. Um, he came out today or Monday and said that uh, he's not 100% sure if uh, he is going to retain his job, so... That'll be, you know, that'll be really interesting. But eight firings, you know, and, and, you know, theoretically speaking, Mike, when I look at the firing, I mean, I think there's a couple of things you look at. Like, if you're a head coach, like, if you were the man, like, let's say that, that like, the most coveted guy out there right now, if there weren't restrictions and if he would have been released or if he was – tradable and the trade value was you know a a fourth round draft pick like every team would line up for John Harbaugh right I mean there's not one that wouldn't say fourth rounder here you go and so if you if you were in that situation you had your pick of the litter like one you want stable you know stability from an ownership standpoint and you want a quarterback right And you'd like to have a good roster, but if that were the case, if those were kind of the parameters, unless I'm missing something, I would have to think that right now, as currently constructed, Cleveland might be the number one choice out there of the eight openings. I mean, how crazy is that? Over Green Bay? Well, I mean, I think there are some – I think there are some – issues from a leadership standpoint with Aaron Rodgers and did Aaron Rodgers get Mike McCarthy fired and there have been some criticisms from former teammates and other and other people out there about Aaron Rodgers as kind of a quote-unquote leader that you would I think there would be some concern um in Green Bay And, and and frankly Mike I think I think when I look at the Cleveland Browns, I think their roster is better mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. So that's kind of that's kind of I mean that's probably why I would put Cleveland ahead. Um, why I would put Cleveland ahead of uh, at this particular point in time ahead of Green Bay.
0: Yeah, you go to Green Bay, the expectation is you're you're supposed to deliver a Super Bowl right away. Right. Whereas Cleveland, you know, they they were ready to throw a parade because they nearly finished above five hundred. Right. so you've you've got some more room to grow there before real expectations, expectations come yeah. yeah crashing down on you
1: yeah I, I I think so as well and I you know I I mean I just think obviously Baker Mayfield is a guy that you know I mean he gets he he has a list and he'll put you on it you know and he's like anti-Santa you know he's making a list and checking it twice and and, um, you know, is going to find out if he needs to block you on Twitter or not. <laughs> I don't think that rhymes. No, but, but, but you know, I mean, that's kind of where he's at. But he uses that chip on his shoulder to his benefit. And having done one of the, the Browns games, he's the unquestioned leader there, man. They they love him. And, and I'm telling you, he deals with his teammates that way. He's not, I mean, he's excited. He's fun. He loves playing football. But, you know, he'll rip those guys. Like he holds him to a standard, and he shows he shows up to that standard. I mean, it, it, I was thoroughly, I was thoroughly impressed um, with him as a football player um, from his leadership, you know, skills, his leadership qualities, and, and all of that stuff. He was, you know, he was exceptional.
0: Any of the firings surprise you? I, I'm thinking mainly Adam Gase in Miami.
1: No, I, I, you know what, frankly, Adam Gase is going to be a very coveted kind of hot commodity. And um, I think Adam Gase is probably happy he got fired. Mm. I, I, I think that Steven Ross, the culture down there, um, and I've talked to a lot of players, former players that have played there, they're just like, you can't win. The culture down there is, is terrible. And you just uh, gets the most dysfunctional culture. You can't win down there in Miami. And, and, you know, it's its crazy, Mike. Of all the Friday practices I've ever gone to, and I've gone to a bunch in the last two years calling games, the worst Friday practice, and I told Adam, that's the worst Friday practice of any Friday practice I've ever been at. And, you know, and, and here's Steven Ross. You walk on the field, and there's, you know, 30 dudes in business suits at a Friday practice watching practice, milling around. Because they've been invited by the owner to come, you know. Hey, come look at uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's like selling tickets to the zoo. Come look at the zoo creatures, you know. It it just is that that part's a mess, man. And um, so, if Cleveland's the most attractive
0: of all the job openings, is Miami the least?
1: Yeah, Miami would be. You know, Miami would be on my list of probably bottom dwellers simply because of of the culture of the Dolphins which is, you know, I mean, you can hate me if you're a Dolphin fan, you can hate me if you want to, but I'm just I'm just kind of quote-unquote reporting one what I've seen and two, you know, what guys have told me. You know, former players that played there, like you can't win in Miami. It's a it's a mess. So that's a cultural issue and I don't know how you fix that, Mike. You know, I don't know like if if you come in as a coach and you say, okay, I'm going to fix this culture and it's not supported by ownership, then that is um, – you know, it just isn't – I don't care who you are. It's it's not going to get fixed. I'll tell you the other organization, and this pains me to even say it, that would be one of my – if I had my pick of the litter, it would be one of the last ones I would what would pick would be the Denver Broncos.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, ownership – up in the air are they gonna sell it is you know are they going to be able to hold on to the, the Broncos until Brittany Bowen um, is capable? what happens with the lawsuits I mean the you know the Pat Bowen's brother Bill Bowen has a, a suit with uh, you know um, with Beth Bowen uh, you know his, his uh, niece uh, against the Broncos and then um, you know Annabelle Bowen Pat's wife has a suit against them. I mean, you want to talk about instability the owner. And, and, and will, the, will the league say in two years from now, will the league just say, hey, you guys need to sell this organization because none of the Bowling kids are ready to take over? Because like, Brittany Bowling, the one that looks like she, she, she would have the capability and has worked toward that, she's only 28 years old. So that part's, that part's a mess. The roster's a mess. Um, you know, you don't have a quarterback. Uh, your offensive line is atrocious you don't have a tight end you don't have a number one receiver like at least in, with the jets you have your quote unquote future franchise quarterback or arizona or you know bills a- at least you feel like you you've you've already addressed that whether those guys are going to be ultimately be players or not i have no idea but at least you feel like you've Address that, and yeah, we have holes. Arizona's offensive line is horrible, and yeah, we have holes on our roster for the Jets and all that stuff. But at least you've addressed that one issue. The Broncos haven't addressed that. They, 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 you know, they went out in the offseason, got themselves a band-aid um, in
0: Case Keenum. Well, if that doesn't tell you how this is all a quarterback's league, because you, you look, you rank these jobs in terms of attractiveness based on the idea that you either have the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. somebody who is regarded as still pretty solid, Andy Dalton, or at least the the potential of all these young quarterbacks. Because you're right, we don't know if any of them right. are going to amount to anything, but at least there's the potential right now, which buys a coach time. But then look at the two most unattractive jobs: Denver and and Miami. In your mind, you got Case Keenum, and you got Ryan Tannehill. Who who many people have already made up their mind about Tannehill that you know he's he's just another guy,
1: right? And I think that's, you know, from a stability of ownership, I, w- I think would be number one. And then who's your quarterback? And you're 100 percent right. I mean, those would those would be the two. It's hard to say that. Isn't right? it? Hasn't, it, hasn't jobs?
0: Is it, is it ownership first, then quarterback? Right. I think I'd still argue that it's quarterback, then ownership. Yeah. For what you're walking into. Uh, yeah. I I'll take s- my chance with ownership if I'm convinced i got the quarterback
1: right well yeah because then you're gonna you know if you have a quarterback you 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 can walk in there and and hopefully win right away so i i mean i could see that you know i could i could see that i i know you need stability at the ownership position you know um and you know i think that's i think that's a really important thing but um as you mentioned it is a quarterback driven league and you gotta have you gotta have a guy you know you gotta have a a guy that. You know, ultimately, you got to have a guy in in the tough situations, in the clutch situations, the off-schedule situations, um, third downs. You have to have a guy that can make a play. You know, you have to have a guy in those situations that can stand up and and make something special happen. Um, and if you don't have that guy, you know I mean? You can have a dude that, that if everything goes right. I mean, Case Keenum's a case in point last year with Minnesota. When you're playing stellar defense, you have the best third-down defense since 1975, and, you know, and you're running the ball and you're getting a lot of attempts, and you've got, you know, a, a middle-of-the-field tight end in the red zone that just eats people up. It eats up space, and two outside receivers that are exceptional. You don't, you know, it, you, you you stay on schedule. You're in short-down and or third-down and short all the time. You I mean, you know, you can have that magical year, but um, – you know, much to your credit, and you said it all along. You know, there's a reason that Minnesota isn't interested in bringing them back, and they kind of know what they got. And he had that—I mean, he just had that year where, you know, he was like a, a a muggle that went to Hogwarts and got a little magic for one year. One year magic granted.
0: Got a muggle drop already. 2019, yeah. not even a day old. Yeah, dropping muggle references. The best, the fun, the most fun thing about. These coaching vacancies and the searches are the names that are popping up that teams are interested in talking to. And to me, the, the funniest thing is th- the teams are in a rush to talk to Zach Taylor and Sean Waldron. Mm. Who the heck are Zach Taylor and Sean Waldron, you ask? Well, Zach Taylor is the quarterback coach for the L.A. Rams, and Waldron is the passing game coordinator slash tight end coach for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Boy, do you think these teams are hoping that, you know, a little Sean McVay residue has uh, right. rubbed
1: off on these guys? The, what is the passing team coordinator? What is
0: what is passing game, game coordinator? coordinator? Yeah, what, what, does does that he, what does that
1: do? He's like, hey, Sean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What is it? Uh, where do you want to throw it? You want to throw it? Yeah, we're going to throw it. Okay, great. Is that what coordinate? Yeah, you just Sean, coordinated. Yeah, Sean, what's the play call? We're going to throw it. Okay. I'll coordinate that. <laughs> I, don't, I Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of course. You know, here's Sean McVay. And I've told you this before. I've told you this on this podcast before, man. I sat down with Sean McVay in a production meeting. I walked out of that going, I've accomplished nothing in my life. I'm a loser. <laughs> like, that dude is so sharp. And... He is so dynamic, and, and you know I, I've always believed that one of the best qualities to a head coach, one of the best qualities he can have, and, and one of the qualities he needs, he needs to be able to command the room. He needs to be able to command his audience, whether that's his team sitting in front of a team meeting, his coaching staff sitting in front of the coaching, one-on-one with a, a member of his team, one-on-one with a coach, um, and with the media. Can you command the message? Can you sell it? Can you, are you authentic? Do guys buy into it? Do you inspire guys? Like I've always said this about people in general like there's two types of people those who um uh, you know there's two types of people that those who uh energize the room when they walk into it and those who energize the room when they walk out of it right he enter he walks in it, the room is energized and I'm, i' I've met with coaches who walk out and think oof, thank God that interview's gone because that dude's wet blanket you know I've been on both sides of that, uh, both sides of that coin, Mike. And Sean McVay energizes the room, and you're you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice, like when when Sean McVay interviewed for I think he was the tight ends coach with the Washington Redskins when Mike Shanahan took over. I talked to Mike about this because I was you know I was meeting with Sean, um, and I was studying film over at Mike's house with Mike Shanahan, and I was going to go meet with Sean McVay, um, you know, l- later on. I think on saturday or something um anyhow it doesn't matter what i was calling it It's calling the broncos game and you know interestingly enough um mike said you know i interviewed him he sits down in my office i'm going to interview him he starts talking and he goes i knew i was going to hire him within 30 seconds like the interview was you know usually you meet with a guy for an hour or whatever and you 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 mull it over and you think of whatever Whatever, he goes within thirty seconds he opened his mouth and in thirty seconds I knew I'd hire him. Like he's that dynamic of a of a human being and a coach. And so you're trying to get that like you're trying to get that like I hope a little I hope a little Sean McVay rubbed off, you know. I hope he the the scent, the musk, <laughs> I miss your musk. He ought to create, you know, he, he ought to create his own line, his own fragrance. OC. Oh,
0: <laughs> you know, so
1: you, you know what I'm
0: saying. just McVeigh, the essence of offense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> McVay. See Charlize Terran, yeah, Theron, whatever her name is. Yeah. Charlize walk out of the water, right. dripping in gold, just going McVeigh, McVeigh, the essence of the vertical passing game. <laughs> Sounds good though, doesn't does it? yes. Right. And that's what that's what these teams are hoping for. They just want a little bit of that musk. They want a little McVeigh magic. But you can't you, you gotta be so careful. It's like all the people that have made the mistakes hiring the Belichick assistants. You know, they keep thinking they're getting Belichick. Right. You know? And they realize there's only one Belichick. And you got right. to be careful when you're thinking that you're gonna tap in and get the next McVeigh. There's only one McVeigh
1: yeah you know and that's and here's the thing too about that you know you walk in you stand in front of your you stand in front of the 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 meeting room you know and you try to be sean McVay, mm-hmm. like you try to be something you're not and players just read through it you know people start asking you you know to break it down like okay remember uh you you played in week six. You played you know the Broncos and it was third down and and six and you guys you know from your own fourteen in the second in the second quarter. What'd you guys run? And McVay would go, oh yeah, we ran that uh, jet sweep there with uh you know with Robert and uh, Robert we faked it to him and then we ran the bubble screen over to the left side to uh, Cooper Cup who got a first down and you know and. Then you're going to ask the assistant, and he's going to go, "Huh? <laughs> oh, uh, we, uh, we we ran a play. Sean called it. I think uh, he called a play, and we ran it. And uh, I don't know what the result was. You know. So yeah, I mean, does I'm it a-
0: does, does it bug you that this, this is and this is an or, This is a league wide thing where it just seems that when when a, when a team has decided to fire a coach that was one kind of a coach, meaning he was uh older established uh, type guy that they they now decide that the next guy needs to be young and dynamic. And if you right. just came off firing a first-time head coach who was supposed to be the next big thing and wasn't, now it's all of a sudden, well, we need to go back to finding you know the grown-up in the room. We need to go find right. one of those old-school type of guys. Does that, that bother you that a team that just made a mistake with one type of coach doesn't seem to have the nerve to go right back to that same kind of coach?
1: Yes, uh, because it it's not about, it. it's really not about age. Just like, you know it's funny? Uh, and I'll give you an example of this, and you'll appreciate this. So, Vance Joseph just got fired as, as the Broncos head coach. And so, I'm doing a, um, I'm doing the Broncos-Rams game. And I, I both sat down with Vance Joseph, and I sat down, with uh, Wade Phillips. Now, Wade Phillips, as you know, is in his seventies, and Vance is early forties. And Vance had referred to Wade Phillips as his his coaching football father, because Vance was underneath Wade Phillips with the Houston Texans when Gary Kubiak was the head coach, and you know he he really learned a lot about defensive philosophy from his guy Wade Phillips. Okay, so that's that's the story. One of the reasons you hire the young assistant is because, you know, owners are stupid enough to believe that because you're young, it means that you can communicate with young people. You know what I'm saying? They, they feel like, wow, he's, you know, he he's more apt to communicate with the millennial generation because he's young. And so and the owners are that dumb. Like, yeah, I know they're billionaires and stuff, but, you know, they're, they're not always the brightest dudes. Like they know business. They know how to make money. But they're all not always intelligent when it comes to how to manage a football team. Okay, so the, the the assumption is because he's young, he'll be able to connect with the players and he'll be able to talk in their language and stuff. So we're talking to Vance Joseph and he's like, "Oh yeah, I talk to Wade, you know, pretty much every week, and you know, we send a few texts and stuff." And he goes, "And and he goes, yeah, but Wade's always got like all these emojis and stuff, and half the time I don't know what they mean and blah blah blah." And I'm like, oh, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." The 70-whatever-year-old is sending you emojis and you don't know what they mean and you're the 40-year-old and you're the one that's supposed to connect with the millennial generation. You can either communicate or you can't communicate. You either connect with people or you don't connect with people. You're either in the relationship business or you're going out of
0: business. That's the way it works, and age has nothing to do with that, Mike. Speaking of emojis. Yeah? So Antonio Brown, it's come Mm. out that Antonio Brown got uh, upset with a teammate, Skip practices, Skip meetings in advance of the Steelers' final game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up missing the playoffs, by far the most underachieving team in the entire NFL this year. And so uh, George Kittle, San Francisco 49ers tight end, sends out a tweet at Antonio Brown that just says, Sup? And Antonio Brown responds with a smiling emoji with stars in his eyes Mm -hmm. as if like, yeah, Hey, I'd love to come to San Francisco and play with Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. What do you say? Let's make it happen.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I would say to George Kittle, be careful what you wish (laughs) for because you're a real life football player and, um, you know, you'll make sacrifices and you'll block people and you'll do those things. you know, Antonio Brown, that you can say whatever you want. And, Listen, everybody's crushing Antonio Brown, and rightfully so, because, you know, he's acting like a spoiled baby, like a petulant child. Now, I'm not saying that Ben Roethlisberger hasn't acted like a petulant child and thrown some teammates under the bus and things of that nature, because he has, okay? But more than anything, like, uh, more than putting this on on Antonio Brown, I put it on Mike Tomlin. You created this. Like, Mike Tomlin has a mantra. Inside that building. I know it to be a fact. Um, And and that mantra is is this. He always says this. Like, I'm going to put up with it until I can replace it. (laughs) Like, what the hell does that mean? So I'll put up with you acting like a total and complete turd. A selfish turd. Because you're that talented. And I can't, until you are no longer good. When you're no longer good, then I'll replace you? Like I'm not going to hold people accountable. I'm just going to put up with it because you're really talented. Like what kind of what kind of motto is that? <laughs> I mean, r- like that is I mean that's just absolutely ridiculous. So you've enabled your superstar receiver to act like a selfish, petulant child. And this is not the first time, Mike. This is not the first time he skipped meetings. Not the first time he sat out of practice. Not the first time he's shown up late to something. Not the first time he's not shown up to practice. Like, this is a trend that has happened, and you've never done anything with it. The reports were that, that this happened last week, the last week of the season. you got to win a game against Cincinnati to have your playoff you know, hopes stay alive, and, and you're hoping that Baltimore loses and you win the division. Like this and Mike Comlin didn't even address it. Well like you it may, talk about like an ostrich bearing or is it an ostrich you bury your head in the sand? Like like you don't even address it with your team. Like we're not gonna put up with we won't tolerate this, you know, Antonio Brown, you like you're dead to me, whatever it is. You you don't even talk to your team about it.
0: Well, it it's obvious that the Steelers need to move on from Antonio Brown. They, they haven't won big with him. They continue to underachieve with him. Juju Smith-Schuster has established himself as a, a number one type receiver. So there you go. You found somebody to replace him. And But I think the bigger question is, is it time for the Steelers to move on from Mike Tomlin? I right. mean, if this guy continues to let this stuff happen on his mm-hmm. watch, and for, for many of us, we can point to it as a, a direct reason why this team continues to underachieve, as talented as they are, then why is Mike Tomlin still in charge in Pittsburgh?
1: Right. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I think ultimately, Mike, you, if because the Steelers don't fire coaches. I mean, they've had what three coaches in since the seventies, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, be careful! And, You're going to box yourself in then with that kind of thinking.
1: Well, I mean, that's no, my my my. The only way you can fix this is, you know, Mike Tomlin has to sit in front of his team and say, man, I have made some serious mistakes, um, and, you know, that's 100% on me, and from this point forward, I'm going to fix those mistakes. And that means I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. That means benching guys, because ultimately the the only way you take care of a guy who's got that selfish attitude is you just don't let him play. You sit him down, and, you know, and he's a healthy scratch. And and that's a hard thing to do when you have the kind of talent that Antonio Brown has. But, you know, Mike Tomlin has got to be able to do that. And and if he won't do that, and if he's not going to fix that, then, yeah, you do need to move on. So – Anyhow, as far as Antonio Brown is concerned, hey, it'd be nice to just say, hey, we're going to trade him, we're going to move on. J.J. Smith-Schuster's great Washington has really, you know, exploded on the scene. Um, But again, you've paid a Diva-wide receiver, what, $22 million? He's like something like that, that his cap hit will be? Like, who's going to jump on that bandwagon? Who's taking that? Like, it's going to be hard. I I would assume it's going to be really hard to trade him, Mike. But,
0: well, we'll, hey, deal, we'll deal with the playoff teams a little bit later on this week. Steelers aren't one of them, but we have wild card weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: wild card weekend coming up, and you and I will
1: be back later on in the week to make our moneymaker picks and uh, discuss where we finished the season mm. at on moneymaker picks. I have no idea because I don't a pay any A lot
0: of suspense.
1: Yeah, a lot of suspense. Uh, hey, do yourself a favor. This new year, make it your resolution. Look at your wife like you look at an enchilada. <laughs> and then pound that enchilada. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for everybody involved in the Stinkin' Truth podcast, I am Mark Schlereth, Mike uh, Evans, Scott And don't, don't tell our wife yeah, about this please uh, don't podcast, please. <laughs> yes, please. Please keep it to yourself. Uh, for everybody involved, man, happy New Year. All the best to you. Blessings to you and yours. Thank you for listening to the Stinkin' Truth podcast.